Welcome to It's an EDRN. On today's episode, we're going to talk about engaging in a power struggle at work. With so many opportunities to be reminded of the fact that you hold almost no decision-making ability over anything, it can be natural to hold on to what small scraps of power you are given. But is this the best use of your time and energy? The answer may surprise you. I'm your host in EDRN, and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's an A. It's a D. It's an EDRN. It's an Dance for emergency. It's a B. Dance for department. It's an EDRN. Episode 44, an EDRN engages in a power struggle. Welcome to my podcast, it's an EDRN. I'm your host, an EDRN, and today we are talking about recognizing the things you cannot change, trying to change them anyway, failing, and then just getting mad about it, then recognizing that you really need to let a lot of the things go, and then ultimately not doing that. Am I alone in this? <laughs> I don't think I am. I think this is probably the number one thing that frustrates me about nursing, and it is probably ultimately the reason I will eventually quit. But before we get into it, a little background. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thank you for being here. I am an emergency department nurse, but I have been a lot of nurses in my nursing career. I've been a nurse for 12 years. Uh, I started out in med surge, I did ICU, I did house supervisor, and then I was a nurse manager. We don't need to talk about it. But for the last two years, and for the first time, I'm in the emergency department, and I'm back to bedside, and predominantly working in a trauma bay at a level one trauma center, and it is really, really awesome. And it is also really, really triggering (laughs) in a lot of ways because there was a reason I left bedside and it wasn't just because I was coerced into being a nurse manager by my CNO. It was also because I was tired of bedside nursing. I was tired of all the, all the shit. And well, let's get into it. Power struggles and engaging versus letting them go. This is really, really difficult. And I think it's because as nurses, we have so little power as it is. Patients seem to be able to treat us like shit. And there's not much recourse for that. We're just kind of expected to take it, set firm boundaries, and then just like hope they follow them because there's no enforcement strategy for if they don't really. Providers don't seem to have much respect for us. I would say for myself, I've experienced disrespect from physicians in particular just so often as a nurse during my nursing career that I forget that the majority of them do have respect for us. It's just so hard to hang on to those few when the many are really fucking it up for everybody. Management, bless their cold, dead hearts, have long since let go of any responsibility to safeguard the nursing practice on their units because to attempt to do so is basically career-ending. And I I can tell you that firsthand. You get 
told what you are going to expect from your nurses. And then you're supposed to spin it as though it's a good thing. And it just, it never is. And then probably the, the biggest thing for me right now is that the general public just like continues to act completely shocked when they come into the emergency room and they see, you know, six to 12 hour wait times as though we're not in an ongoing and very real healthcare crisis. And we were before the pandemic and the pandemic just illuminated a lot of these disparities and a lot of these like just glaring problems and none of them have really effectively been fixed. And yet people just, it's like they don't read the news. It, it, it's still, it's surprising to me. It's just surprising to me that they're shocked that things are, are as dysfunctional as they are. So all of these combined already set us up for frustration and make it really difficult to just let go. And I'm not a fan of letting go, to be honest, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I want to talk about a couple instances lately that got me really, really thinking about this after it got me thinking about quitting my job and just going into audiobook recording. I think I could do it if I think I could really do it. Anyway, the two situations where I outright and knowingly and willingly engaged in a power struggle were... I took a patient up to OR. We're on the first floor. OR is on the second floor. It's quite a trek, actually. So I I took the patient with the entire team. And the thing about OR is you'll wait two hours for OR, as was the case with this patient. One or two hours. Time doesn't really exist. But I was waiting for them and waiting for them to be ready. And then you'll wait an hour and then, like, they'll just suddenly show up and it's like everything has to happen. Now, 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 now. Let's go. Let's move, move, move. So it's like, okay, so you pack them all up and you take the patient upstairs and you get into the OR front desk kind of area. And then there's like a red line on the floor past which, unless you are OR staff and going into the OR suite with the patient, you can't pass. So we stop in front of this red line and what I guess normally happens is the patient, they take the stretcher after getting report from me and then go into the OR room, which was open. I could see it all ready for the patient. It was like 12 feet away. And they take all my equipment, my monitor, my cords, my stretcher, all of it. And then I get it back in like 20 minutes after asking five people to please go get it for me. And then like one of the cords will be missing. And this just like happens so often. Now at this particular time, the trauma bay, I was leaving with the last brick we had like every other monitor was being used by a patient which meant that if we got a page for a patient we had literally nowhere to put them and we're like really good with creating half beds and quarter beds (laughs) and like one sixteenth beds like we're really good at it but we had run out of monitors because there were so many people in the trauma bay and so going up to the OR I had already decided they were not taking my monitor I, I I just we couldn't spare it And so I'm thinking about all the patients down in trauma. I get up to the OR. I give report. I start unhooking this patient who had a head bleed and had had a head bleed for hours. Stable vitals. Okay. Stable vitals. Like I am not concerned about this patient suddenly dropping pressures or like, you know, 
they're stable. That's not their issue. Their issue is this head bleed. So I start disconnecting the patient and the person across from me, who's part of like a six, you know, OR team says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm taking my cords in my monitor. And she looks at me and is like, so you're not going to allow me to safely monitor the patient into the OR suite. And at that moment, just her, her entire demeanor had already told me before this moment, but this had confirmed it. And the way that everyone else got quiet, this is someone who's used to bossing people around. And I think it just, I was tired. I had been working a lot. The trauma bay was popping off and it had been popping off just like the entire, like this whole month has been a struggle. And in that moment, I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't anymore. And I just said, yeah, okay. I just said, okay. And I just started saying, okay, to everything she said (laughs) as I'm disconnecting this patient and she's giving me the look of death. Like I should be dead right now. I should be stone. And she says, I have a personal problem with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm la- This is so unprofessional. I'm sorry. I, but I'm not sorry. Okay. So I'll stop saying that. There's a, there's a thing with the OR staff, especially the docs up there. They seem to be able to act whichever way they want. And there don't seem to be any repercussions because they are running the OR. And if you know anything about hospitals and how they're funded, if the OR is running, the hospital's making money. If the OR stops, that's what's losing money. That is an oversimplification of exactly how a hospital is funded. <laughs> and so they get a certain level of entitlement and importance. And the privilege of the fact that this is the only patient she has to worry about right now. I've got 15 other patients downstairs that I'm responsible for. And I got to get this monitor down. And I could have handled it more professionally. And I could have engaged in a more diplomatic conversation and explained all these things, but I didn't really think she cared in that moment. I had decided, I guess I just had decided she didn't care. And she just said, I have a personal problem with that. And I said, okay. And I just smiled and took my monitor and left. And I could hear her behind me being like, talking about me. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you should just roll the patient into the OR and uh, get to work or whatever. I don't care. They have a monitor in there. They have their own equipment to monitor the patient. The patient would be off monitor for like a minute. It was just wild to me. Anyway, clear power struggle that I engaged in. Whether or not that was appropriate remains to be determined by others. I think it was. Second example is my engaging with my own physician team in the ED. And this is really, I don't recommend. You don't shit where you work. You know what I mean? You you, got to build relationships with the people you work with all the time and try not to engage in power struggles with them because that becomes an ongoing thing. Like this person up in OR, they're going to forget who I am. They're going to forget my face. I'm going to forget theirs. We're going to have a pleasant interaction next time. All will be forgiven. But if you engage in power struggles with the people sitting across from you at the desk regularly, that can be bad. So lately there's been this thing among especially the newer residents who are trying to prove themselves in in my observation and trying to exert some kind of authority in the situation, probably under the guise of working on leadership skills, but really 
I think we all know what that is. The throughput of the emergency department and the entire hospital lands on nurses. The nurse manager determines the scope of practice for the entire department. They determine which is the critical care areas. They determine which is the non-critical care areas. They determine what can be done, what meds we can push in compliance with the Board of Nursing, all of these things. All this to say, moving a patient from one area to the next area or another area in the ED is the job of a nurse or the bed medic. If the bed medic wants to make a the four-wing unit that's adjacent to the trauma bay and ICU, they get to do that. And then we move our intubated patients that are clogging up the trauma bay into that area. If they want to put three patients in the hallway in, a, in addition to those four patients and just not have any critical care patients back there at all, just to move what we would call cubable patients or med surge patients out, then they get to do that. These are all things that happen independent of the doctors because as we as nurses know, oftentimes the acuity of a patient isn't necessarily determined just by the plan of care specific to doctor's orders, like whether they're intubated, whether they're on a specific drip. Those things have become shorthand for determining acuity, but really the way that a patient's acuity is calculated is nurse hours per patient day. How much nursing care does the patient require? How much observation? How much assessment? How often? These are the things that determine a patient's acuity. And these are things that are kind of independent of what the doctor is doing. The doctor puts in orders for what they want, and then the nursing care is determined oftentimes based off of those orders and the patient condition. All this to say, if we move a patient out of trauma, it's because they don't meet critical care criteria anymore, and we have another bed available, and we are able to decompress the trauma bay. However, the doctors seem to have an objection to us just doing this without getting permission from them first. And, and it is permission. It does smack of permission. And I don't like that. that. That bothers me for a lot of reasons. We're not in a hierarchy. Physicians are not over us. We're not covered by their license. We, we are independently licensed to practice within our scope, as are they. We work together. They order. We do what we can. If things change, then we collaborate, communicate. Obviously, we're working together. But what this makes it seem like is nurses can't make these independent decisions when this is literally our area of expertise. The physicians working in the trauma bay don't have to concern themselves with how many patients are in the waiting room, for example. But guess who does? We do. Because our friends are working up there. Because we rotate through the waiting room and we work up in the waiting room. These physicians that predominantly work in the trauma bay don't do that. They have no concept of what that is. We're talking to the bed medic or the, or the, the bed RN. And they are telling us what the plan is. They're, we know how many ICU beds are open. How many med surge beds are open? How many downgrades in the ICU might be going? Like we have, to, again, we have to coordinate all of this stuff. And I doubt that this is knowledge 
working knowledge to the minute knowledge that the doctors want to have to hold on to. They've got other things to do. And yet they make a stink about it. And I had a doctor come up to me and just say like, you know, kind of words going around and it's been a point of discussion that patients are being moved without consulting the doctor about it. And I just, it rubs me the wrong way. And I continue to do it <laughs> because it's literally, literally our job. I, we've been doing it at least for the two years that I've been there. And I know before that, so I don't know where this is coming from, but it's a no for me dog. I don't, I can't let it go. I can't let it go. And the reason I can't let these things go is because it doesn't work. The thing you're trying to accomplish doesn't magically happen when you just like let it go. In fact, like the opposite of the thing often is what happens. We don't have the luxury of saying, oh, just let it go. Just like, just then ask the doctors for permission, make them feel included. No. First of all, I'm not pandering to an adult professional. Okay. You're an adult professional. When I tell you that this ha is Nanya, then you best believe it's Nanya. Get back to your job. We as nurses have struggled for what little power we have. And then we're just supposed to give it up because it creates some awkwardness. Because people can't be adult enough to come to me when I make a decision to move a patient. I have to have another doctor come to me and just say, hey, it's, it, this isn't me, but like it's just like words going around. No, I'm not into it. The reason we engage in these power struggles to begin with is usually for the patient. We have the patient's best interest at heart. We can't help it. That's just what nursing is. If you don't, oftentimes you move out of it. You move out of nursing. That's not the only reason people move out of nursing. Don't, don't get that confused. I mean, when I leave nursing, it won't, because I, won't be because I stopped caring about the patients it'll be because of doctors. No, it'll be because of so many other factors. But what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is engaging in power struggles might literally be the only way to help patients. So let's get good at it. So here are some tips and tricks. Knowing that we're going to engage in these power struggles how can we do it most effectively? Tip number one, don't. You do not have to engage in a power struggle. If it's not your personality, if it's not in your best interest, if it's not conducive to your longevity in nursing, just don't. If someone comes to you and is like, I want you to tell me every time you hang a bag of fluids on a patient that I've ordered I just want 360 communication. It's usually how they make it sound. You say, okay, no problem. And they'll probably actually drop it. This could be very effective. You, you should actually really try it out before engaging in a power struggle. Like, forget everything I just said. That That's probably what you should do. Tip number two. Find a common goal. Usually it's going to be the patient, patient safety, patient outcomes. I found out through talking to this doctor who came to me with this concern that we were moving patients. As I was, well, I'll say after, I kind of calmed down and stopped making everything about me and my history and my specific triggers. 
I asked where this was coming from because it seemed to be new that this was a concern. And he shared with me that they had had some really poor outcomes on two patients in the last two weeks that went to the cubes or out of the trauma bay. And so there was a lot of anxiety around their patients being moved. And so that made total sense to me. And they're centering the patient there. So it's interesting where you were both trying to do the same thing. As nurses, or I guess I'll, I'll keep it to myself, as the nurse, I was trying to move patients to the most appropriate area, get them a private room, get them a call light, get them a nurse who is a four-to-one med surge assignment rather than me who has two ICU patients and then these two med surge patients who are going to get ignored, to be fair. And so we were trying to do the same thing, having the same concerns, and we were just taking different approaches based on our very specific anecdotal experience. So interesting. Tip number three, concede when you are wrong. Sometimes you're going to get it wrong. So apologize. Engaging in power struggles doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. I often do. (laughs) And that's just because I am so fucking stubborn. (laughs) And I sometimes just do what the fuck I want because I know it's the best thing. And then very occasionally I am wrong and I have to eat some humble pie and I back off for a while and reconsider my entire approach to nursing. (laughs) So just know if you are regularly going to engage in power struggles, if you are not going to go quietly into that good night, if you know how much we have struggled, if you constantly keep in the back of your mind the fact that we as nurses used to be unpaid labor for the Catholic church. <laughs> Look it up. Google it. Okay. We used to belong to convents and we, we used to just be bossed around by these nuns in these hospitals. And that was best case scenario. That was better than what came before, which you were just the unfortunate female in the family that they you know, couldn't marry off. You became everyone's nurse. So nursing has come a long fucking way and it's because of struggle. Struggle for power, struggle for position, for autonomy, for a broadened scope, for compensation. And it is very difficult to hold that constantly in the back of our minds and not engage in power struggle. So what was I even talking about? Apologize when you're wrong. That's basically it. And I finally have one trick. Agree before you disagree. This, I can't tell you how great this is, okay? When a patient rolls up and you get report from EMS and they're obviously, so obviously fine. They need a head scan just to make sure when they bonked their head, they don't have some kind of slow, crazy subdural, but they're totally fine to go to the waiting room. And yet the doctor wants to keep them because maybe... You know, five months ago, they sent someone who fell to the waiting room and it turned out they had a head bleed and then that scared them for the rest of their doctoring career. Sometimes I will agree with them even when I don't. So they'll say, I think we should keep them. And I'll be like, yeah, I think you're right. Although, (laughs) although is a good word. Very effective. Although I noticed there's only 15 in the waiting room and Tracy's up there triaging and she works back in trauma a lot so I could just 
shoot her a tiger text and let her know this patient is coming and that they need to get scanned ASAP. Would that work maybe? I'm telling you nine times out of 10, you're gold. You're gold. Try it. You might like it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and please tell just like anyone else to listen. You do not have to engage in power struggles at work. But if you do, remember you are continuing a long tradition of nurses literally getting anywhere. And without this tool, we would probably still be free labor for nuns and nobody wants that. Thank you for listening and have a safe shift. It's an EDRN is written and produced by me. Our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by, tragically, also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say in this podcast are not a stand-in for professional medical advice, and everything you hear from randos on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.